Hi everyone, welcome to Benched episode two. Today I have my friend Madeline Coleman, who's a former sports journalist for the Daily Tar Heel. Madeline and I are going to be discussing the over-sexualization and harassment of female athletes and females in the sports world. I want to issue a trigger warning because this episode will be discussing sexual harassment. I also want to apologize for the change of audio and video quality since this podcast is now being filmed remotely since we are no longer on campus. So I just wanted to start off by introducing Madeline and having her talk a little bit about herself and her experience. Hi y'all, so my name's Madeline. I'm a senior, unfortunately. This is not how I expected my last semester to go, but I'm double majoring in business journalism and public policy. Um, a little bit about my background. I'm currently the marketing and social media chair for Phi Alpha Delta on campus. I'm a member of CREW, which is a campus ministry, and I currently work as a communications intern for Senator Jeff Jackson in the North Carolina General Assembly. Um, as for the sports side of my history, I worked for the DTH Sports Desk for about 3.75 years. That 0.25 is because that I left the sports desk at the beginning of March. That's when my last article ran. So I spent, I joined fall 2016. I spent two years as a sports reporter and then the last 1.75 slash two years if you want to sit there and round up i was the only female senior sports reporter and then i also spent one year sometime in my four years as an investigative reporter and then i interned for the charlotte observer this past summer and that internship radically changed how I view the sports world. Okay, so the first thing I kind of want to talk about, um, you and I have talked about this many times before, was how you're the only female left at the DTH for, for sports journalism. I guess in short response, I don't know why I'm the only female senior sports reporter for the DTH. It's kind of disheartening, at least for me, especially since I am done with the sports test now and I'm done with the newspaper, knowing that there is not a woman in that kind of like mentor role. There's not going to be any representation for basketball or for football because that's typically what the senior sports reporters cover. And so I kind of asked myself and my superiors a lot like why am I the only female senior sports reporter and I've even had athletes ask me this exact same question while I'm working and it made me worry a little bit because when I w would think about when I would leave who's going to step into my shoes was there going to be another woman sports leader who would help mentor and ease the transition and for the new young women reporters and I never received a straightforward explanation for why I was the only one. I don't know whether it was a lack of talent or a lack of experience, but in my opinion, opinion, I think it was more of the latter because in recent years, there haven't been a lot of women staying on the sports desk for all four years of college. I mean, not a lot of reporters stay all four years with the DTH anyway because they get better opportunities or because they get frustrated with the system. There's a lack of diversity within the newspaper as a whole. I had a mentor my first year on the desk as a junior at the time. Um, incredible journalist, great role model, but she left after her junior year because she got a better opportunity. So that's just one example of how the women don't really stick around as much. A few years ago, there were a bunch of women on the desk that kind of got frustrated with the treatment that was happening and they also got better opportunities. And so they decided to leave. And so 
after my mentor left, I kind of had to step into her role as a mentor to not only help recruit women to apply for the sports desk, but also help ease the transition because the sports desk is kind of a boys club, if you will. There is still a lot of locker room talk. My experience hasn't been 100% perfect or the best. There have been several instances that did tarnish what could have been a really great experience. And it wasn't just the DTH that was being sexist towards me. And that's probably another disheartening fact about my experience as a sports journalist at UNC. There was sexism and sexual harassment coming from other media outlet members that are also covering UNC, like grown men that are being sexist towards me. Yeah, so I think this is something you and I have spoken about many times um, in our personal conversations and like really trying to get to the root of the issue and like figure out why this is happening. And I think something that we came back to was like the culture of sports. Um, And more and more it's like, it continues to happen and you see it so, or you experience a lot in sports because the culture is very toxic. And I think that's why we see a lot of women leave sports journalism, why we see a lot of things happen or there's a lack of representation of women because it's just not a welcoming system. But I wanted to go back to some of the things that you said. Um, There was a quote from your article about It says, when I stand in a press box, I try to ignore the sexual innuendos and degrading words that sometimes echo all around the room, all because of my gender. So I wanted to hear from you about like how that creates such a toxic work environment and how you kind of got through it and um, just your experience dealing with that type of sexism when you're just trying to do your job. How I got through it was probably a little bit harder than what I expected I'm super shy. I'm super quiet. I'm not going to sit there and try to like cause waves or anything. So I was not going to confront these people face to face while I'm also trying to do a job. And to be frank, it was surprising for me to hear what was being said about me, about other women athletes, and just women in general. Comments I heard ranged everywhere from physical appearance to one's ability to do their job or their sport. I would constantly think, at what point in time did you think this was okay? When did you begin to think that speaking in this manner with this type of language was okay because it's never okay to bring somebody down it's never okay to judge someone based on how they look and it was a series of unfortunate events that kind of led to me writing this column and it was just like a buildup of frustration over four years i think early on i might have taken the comments that i heard a little bit too much to heart and started to believe a little bit of what like the men were sitting there and saying some of the comments that I included in my column were she's only here to meet a diversity quota the sports press box isn't the place for a female just stand there and look pretty that's all you're here for anyway and even more graphic comments that I do not want to repeat and never sit there and repeat because it's just like why what's your purpose of bringing somebody down based on their gender and I heard some very degrading comments that reporters would make about women athletes. And it just kind of makes me pause every single time. It's like, why, when did this become okay? And so I accredit a lot of my courage to my amazing mentors and friends that I met during my internship at the Charlotte Observer that kind of helped me prepare myself and change my heart and where my confidence 
level was to be able to write a piece like this because it's very, very hard to do. And it's hard to tell other people's stories, but then also your own at mm-hmm. the same time. Because even if I only showed like a small glimpse of what my experience has been like, it still reopens like the old wounds and you still like feel the impact of the words, even though I know they don't define me. And I knew back then they didn't define me, but it doesn't lessen the impact that these poor words can have on an individual. And so Jordan Rodrigue, who covers the Carolina Panthers for The Athletic, was my assigned mentor during her time at the Observer this summer and was and still is one of my biggest supporters. And she and Marcel, who covers the Bills for ESPN, and Brandon Marks, who covers UNC and Duke men's basketball for The Athletic, they always believed in me even when I doubted myself at times. And so while I might have been, I think someone had described it, that I was kind of like silently strong, I wasn't going to sit there and say anything, but you could tell by how I was holding myself that there was some kind of like strength and courage and confidence within me. And I just wish this wasn't how our world is because my high school journalism experience was so different. The guys on the desk back then saw me as an equal and respected me even when I became the sports editor. And I had an amazing teacher that still consistently supports me through everything. Yeah. And I think I like going back to what you're talking about with what you heard towards yourself, but also towards the women that were being covered. I think how women are portrayed in the media. So obviously behind the scenes, there's a lot of things that are being said that are awful and shouldn't happen. But I think it even goes further. Like the sexism doesn't disappear in media. Or I've read many, many articles about like female athletes and like the way that they're described um, is more based on how they look than how they performed. And I think it goes back again just tied to the culture of sports like honestly this the culture of society like women are always tied to their appearance rather than their performance so I think that sexism like the sexual harassment behind the scenes like that's obviously not making its way into an article but I think in some ways the sexism still does appear because of how they're being covered based on their appearance rather than their performance I'm actually writing a research paper for my Olympics class with Matt Andrews and so something that I've learned throughout the way like obviously the beginning of the like modern olympic games like women weren't allowed to compete like and still there's a lot of sexism in the olympics but i'm actually writing my paper on how um sexism like has not disappeared and it's still very very prevalent i also wanted to talk about um your experience like having a strong mentor because i know for me i was very fortunate this summer um my internship last summer basically the woman who interviewed me her name was mary spencer or her name is mary spencer she's the most phenomenal person i cannot speak more highly of her she basically took me under her wing like we really like one of my interview questions we talked about like she was like name something in sports right now that like i'll never forget the question she was like talk about something in sports right now that needs to change so i was like all right like of course the (laughs) women's national like the u.s women's national team um and their like discrimination lawsuit and this was not this, this is this past summer. So this was like before it really heated up even. And so we like went on about this for like 20 minutes just because like we're both so passionate about it. And I think like really to survive in women's sports, like having a mentor is like makes that much more of a difference. When people are represented, it's like much easier to see yourself having a future in that career or whatever. So like it makes it feel almost much more available to the people who are striving for that. Whereas like 
if you're looking at the Daily Tar Heel and like you're a freshman, you're like, oh, I really want to be a sports reporter. And then you look at the desk and you're like, there's not any women sports reporters. Like, how does that make you feel? Like, do you really think that you can make it? Like, I think that's why it's so important to increase representation in women's or in sports in general, like, so that women feel like they have an opportunity and women actually have that opportunity. Whereas right now it's just so hard to join that boys club, basically. Yeah, I think that was probably a big reason why I stayed because that I wanted to make sure that women felt that they could still come in and be a sports reporter, even though it was very much a boys club. I mean, I think I joined when there were over 30, I think maybe like 32 or something people on the desk. And now it's like a lot smaller. And so like the ratio was like a huge difference. I think it was like six to one, seven to one, maybe like the male to female ratio. And so even though I was getting treated how I was being treated, I think I stayed because that I wanted to make sure that these women knew that they had a mentor and someone who was going to be in their corner. And that even when times get tough, that I would immediately go to bat for them. That was something that I really stressed that when I left because I had a few reporters that told me, it's like, I joined because I saw that you were there and that they had met me like a few weeks before I was about to leave. I also had a lot of males that started like stepping up that weren't a part of like student media that really were kind of going to bat for me and really standing up for me. Marcel and Brendan have consistently been super supportive. Rick Bunnell, who covers the Charlotte Hornets, he checks into me and with me pretty frequently, which is something that I've always appreciated. But it's nice to see that there are people that are aware of what's going on, of sexism within sports, but then also within the journalism aspect. Yeah. And are taking the steps to try to kind of reverse it. Was your experience covering different sports different? Like, did you face sexism covering certain sports? Like, was it more of a boys club depending on the sport? I think I was really lucky with, as far as the DTH goes, I was really lucky that I covered the same three sports all four years. I did men's soccer throughout the fall, gymnastics throughout the winter, and then men's tennis in the spring. We became kind of close, and I think that they were all amazing towards me. They were all pretty supportive. They were some of the ones that were sitting there and asking what was it like to be the only female senior sports reporter, and they were incredibly supportive whenever I was there. I think once I got to more of like the bigger name sports that I would start to get kind of, I guess for lack of better terms, lost in the crowd, Mm -hmm. that there is like probably unintentional sexism that happened. I think that's a big thing in sports, but then also in journalism right now. It's not as much like intentional bias from what I've seen at least, but more of like underlying unintentional sexist behavior that kind of just like runs through the industry that is going to take probably a while for it to be completely flushed out and it's going to need to take like columns like mine podcasts like yours to be able to kind of change shift yeah I totally agree with what you're saying about like it being unintentional like I think a lot of people aren't realizing their unintentional bias like has actual effect I think you are so incredibly brave and inspiring to share your story to help bring this to light because that's, that's what needs to happen. It needs to be brought to light and people need to be told like, Hey, this isn't okay. Whether it's intentional or unintentional, like it's still not okay. And kind of going off that, I wanted to talk about 
the feedback that you got from your story because this is something that we've talked about before. Yeah. So I had it was a very mixed feedback, but it's more heavily weighted towards the positive. There's an overwhelming amount of love and support. Um, I planned on logging out of my social media accounts once I tweeted out the link to my column because I because of how worried I was about what the feedback would be. I was kind of like, I know there's going to be trolls. I know there's going to be different people trying to mansplain and try to diminish my experience. And the other women that I talked to, I talked to Jasmine Fritz, who's the social media post that I included in my story. I talked to Marilyn about her experiences and I talked to Brooke about hers, especially with she covered a lot of Tree Kill, the Tree Kill incident with the Kansas City Chiefs, and she received a lot of hate and sexism and sexual harassment because of that. And so probably within a minute of me tweeting out the link from my Twitter, mind you, I did not have that many followers at the time since I covered some of the more, some of like the smaller teams, the Olympic sports. And so the main people that were following me were either like fem family members of those teams, friends from high school, people that I had met at the Charlotte Observer this summer. So like within a minute of the link being tweeted, three major journalists had already retweeted it. And the story took off from there. By the afternoon, it was probably when the negative comments started rolling in. And I decided to log off my social media because it was kind of just a lot. But I'm choosing to focus on the love and support I received. So many DTH sports alumni shared the story, and so many major journal sports journalists DM'd or texted me to offer their support. And it's weird to sit there and go onto Twitter. Even a few days ago, someone had retweeted it randomly, and it's been a few months since it ran. And so I can't express enough how much the widespread report means to me. The fact that I didn't name the bad actors that I mentioned in my story and thankfully, well, not thankfully, I haven't heard from any of them. I'm hoping that they read it at least and will think the next time before they act. And I'm hoping that this kind of like changes things within the Daily Tar Heel and the UNC Sports Media Group. But there were reasons that went into me not naming the individuals that me and the other three women kind of talked about. Mm -hmm. And one reason was something that Jasmine Fritz had tweeted and something that the two of us had kind of talked about. I didn't want to name them because I didn't want the readers to send hate their way. It's not my place whatsoever to do that. And my second reason kind of ties into this. I didn't name them because I didn't want to detract from the main focus of the column, which was to give these women a space to tell their stories and call on the sports journalism community to be better. Mm -hmm. My editors had suggested naming the individual that sent the inappropriate messages to Jasmine because it was kind of commonly known. He had come out and publicly apologized on Twitter, but I was adamant I didn't want it in my column, and I'm very grateful that my editors respected my decision in that. And then, unsurprisingly, there was mansplaining and people telling me that my story was... <laughs> it was not as bad as what I was saying and then some people saying that it's a regional thing and yes we are in the south but that does not sit there and say that sexism thrives in the south because it's not just a regional thing it's yeah. a widespread thing it's a nationwide it's a worldwide I was just going to reiterate that I was like very surprised also with 
how widespread it went. Women were reaching out to me to say, thank you for having the courage to tell your story. Here is mine. My DMs are flooded, notifications going off like crazy. And even my text messages started piling up. Yeah. And then individuals are like reaching out saying, can I do a blog post about your column? Can you do an interview on this? And that kind of took me off guard because I'm very used to being on the other side <laughs> of it. Because not many women are that fortunate there's still a lot of silencing that kind of happens and victim blaming mm -hmm. within sexism and sexual harassment it is really great to hear that the positive did outweigh the negative but like what we've said before is like of course like the negative still takes a toll on you and like it's very like sad to hear another woman like really not believe you and then take the time to try to like discredit your story I think that's what's something that's so frustrating especially in during like during this time of like the me too movement is like people discrediting people without actually knowing what's going on and like knowing the actual facts obviously victim shaming is a serious problem but i think in a lot of ways we see like a very 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 distinct like victim shaming in sports because it's just such a male dominated culture like i was sitting in my uh sports law class this semester and my professor was talking about a case at notre dame like an athlete had um, assaulted a female who went to a school like nearby it was videoed um, so there was like actual video proof like there was nothing like proving that it was not true and the girl like filed a complaint and was victim shamed so bad by the fans of Notre Dame that she ended up suicide I, I was just like so taken back from the story like people just constantly victim shaming not believing and it takes so much courage and it's just so important to actually listen to what people say and like not attack them for it the next thing i really wanted to talk about was how positive your experience was at the charlotte observer and like how that kind of contrasted your experience at the daily Tar Heel and kind of brought all these issues to light oh my word i cannot say enough great things about the sports desk at the charlotte observer I, as you can tell by the look of my face, I absolutely adore them. Um, it was very much a night day difference. The best way I can kind of describe the culture of the Charlotte Observer is that they really value who you are as a person as much, if not more, as a reporter. And they want to help you grow and support you in any way possible that they can as a journalist, but then also as a person. So I think support and positive reinforcement are two things that are incredibly important to me. And I had so much support with each story. And what was great about every beat is that they all took a few days to make sure that I was comfortable in the environment before kind of letting me do my own thing. Brendan was kind of the last member of the sports desk. And he did a lot for me throughout the summer and still is a part of my life to this day. I've known him since fall 2016, I think. And he's told me before that he holds me kind of to a high standard because he knows what I'm capable of and he doesn't hold back when calling me out if I don't meet that standard, which is something I'm appreciative of because it holds me accountable and I don't like half doing anything. All of them not only support me as a journalist, but as a person. And I think those two aspects is how we kind of change today's society but also create a more welcoming environment in sports we're all more than our occupation or activity there's still a human behind every computer screen every story and publication every jersey every sport 
And I think that's something that we all lose sight of. And I can only really speak to the reporter's aspect that sometimes it's easy just to focus on the game and focus on the stats. And we need to remember that there's still human, there's still emotions involved and there needs to be a bottom line of respect. Mm -hmm. And I think like, this got me, we had a conversation last week and like, we were talking about like the DTH and how like the culture there is obviously toxic in some ways. And I kind of just started thinking about that and like how it related to my experience because it was like a peer to peer base. And like, it's very, very upsetting when you think about this is happening from your peers, because when you think about it, your peers are one day going to be your coworkers, your peers, like that's, your society, that's your generation. Um, and it kind of made me think of like some of my experiences that I really haven't shared with anybody. Um, they're very like small, but like, obviously they still do weigh on me, like as a person, as an athlete, and like, they make me uncomfortable. Two of my like most recent experiences have literally been tied to my athlete peers. There are obviously like athlete spaces on campus, like where we can go and like, it's only athletes and like, we have our tutors there, like um, our weight rooms there, like that kind of stuff. So it's like an athlete building, literally. And the past, like two of the past instances in the past like, year have happened there where like I was made to feel like very uncomfortable because of what was going on around me. But I think what upset me the most was the fact that it came from my peers. These are our peers, like this is Carolina, it's supposed to be. We pride ourselves on inclusivity and diversity and like I think that's just not true. Like Carolina is not as inclusive and diverse as it says it is. I think um, like, obviously I'm like getting like kind of shaken up, just like thinking about my experiences and like how uncomfortable something somebody might deem as like little really affects how somebody else is processing what's going on. Like my most recent experience was like a month ago I was at like a very formal event, like dressed up, like in a super professional outfit, because as we know, like no matter what you're wearing, like it does not stop sexual harassment. It's not your fault. It is again, victim shaming. It is never your fault. But um, like I stood up to be recognized for an achievement. Some of my peers are sitting around me behind me. I, I literally think people forget that I have ears and eyes. Like I hear what you're saying. I see what you're doing. And like, that's not acceptable. And it, instead of me like being proud of myself in this moment, I'm dealing with this going on behind and beside me. And like, it's taking away from a moment that's like meant to be important. My achievement was again, being like pushed into a box of how I look, but most sadly, but by my peers, I, it was like one evening, like I'd been studying and like, I was walking through like the main lobby where like a bunch of athletes were and like a lot of comments were made. Um, I heard a lot of them. Fortunately, I didn't hear all of them, but I have a couple friends on the team of the main, like where it was mainly coming from. And like, they're some of my best friends and they came to me and they're like, yeah, um, you should stop wearing leggings in, in this building because like, it's just not good like what what's being said like as friends they're literally trying to look out for me <laughs> but I'm like first of all just came from practice my uniform like what we wear to practice is spandex and a tank top and like if it's cold in the winter you'll wear, wear like leggings and like a long sleeve so that's literally 
not feasible for me because I am coming from practice. But first of all, what I wear should never be cause for being harassed. And then two, like, it's not my problem. It's theirs. It goes back to the whole locker room talk. Like one of my friends, I remember he was like, yeah, your name was brought up in the locker room. And like, I instantly shut it down because I just like, one, it's like bad that that stuff happens. But two, like to hear my friend being talked about in such a degrading way, like is just not okay. It's bad enough that it happens in locker rooms, but it's not just locker room talk. It happens in front of us. It happens like next to us, around us, such a toxic culture that is continually perpetuated because nobody really can say anything because there's so few women in sports and there's, you're, you're scared to say something because you're surrounded by all these men. It absolutely needs to stop. It's disgusting. So hard for women to continue to be a part of sports and like be involved in and deal with this constantly. Like this stuff happens all of the time. Like this last incident happened less than a month ago. Like it is just unacceptable. That definitely like frustrates me hearing that. So like, first off, I'm sorry, even though like I have no zero ties to them whatsoever, but I'm sorry to hear that like, those are your experiences. Cause I think it, at least in my opinion, it's more frustrating coming from a peer versus like some random grown man mm-hmm. that you have like some kind of baseline of respect for your peers and everything and it just reminds me of like whenever there's no set dress code with the dth or at least there's not like one that's written for the women on the sports desk and so i spend probably more time than i would like to admit sitting there looking at my outfit to make sure like those comments don't happen and they still do happen Like, I remember there was, like, a photographer that multiple times when he would come with me, that he would make a comment about what I'm wearing or say, like, why are you wearing that? Why aren't you wearing something different? It's, like, what's wrong with, one, what I'm wearing does not affect you, does not affect your job, and Mm -hmm. two, why? Just why are you asking me this? There was, like, a former coworker, I think this was, like, maybe two years ago, that while I was walking to the office, he slowed his car down and started shouting cat calls to me and following me as I was walking to the office. And like going back to my point from earlier, it's like, when did people think that this was okay? You would think with how the athletic department talks about like one for all, that this would not be happening within teams. This would not be happening within the reporters and everything. And it's just like really, disheartening and frustrating especially when you watch even on the national scale there's still sexism happening like with the U.S. women's national team and I think them turning their jerseys inside out in response to how U.S. soccer was reacting to the lawsuit is iconic yeah and I think like those are great role models for women that want to get in sports so like no matter whether there's like representation or not be the one because the only way that's going that things are going to change is if women keep going into these spaces and keep kind of trying to shut it down you yeah. know that's not our responsibility whatsoever and then having those male allies that are coming in like your friend that stepped into the locker room and like shut it down entirely mm-hmm. that's the only way we change this yeah and I think like I literally love our women's like national soccer team like it's just so comical that these women have literally 
done everything. Like they are successful and they're not given what they deserve, what they are actually like earn. They bring in more revenue, but it's just so sad <laughs> to see this fight continue. And then literally in the lawsuit, like they filed and then U.S. soccer filed back, like all the sexist things that they said. And it's just like, okay, this is ridiculous. It is just super sad. And I'm not saying it just happens in sports because trust me, like I've had many, 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 many experiences even outside of sports. But I think for me, sports is such a safe place that it's like very, very upsetting and even more hurtful when it happens um, from people that I trust and like other people that I respect. Um, like other athletes. That's why it's that much more upsetting. I've always thought that sports is an avenue for changing culture. And I think that um, if sports can make that change, then our actual society can as well. Yeah, I agree. I think with how widespread and predominant sports is in general, that that's probably how more change is going to end up happening. Because I think there's still like this massive stigma within society that women don't know a lot about sports or know anything period I know that with guys I'm either like talking to or that I'm dating that they sit there and say you knowing sports makes you hot or even hotter and it's like when did having that kind of knowledge or loving something become such a rarity I know so many women that love sports and it's like why does that directly t one directly tie into my appearance yeah and why is that a thing but I think that also perpetuates the like cycle that women aren't welcome in sports so that like that idea of like oh women like they don't know sports oh women they don't understand sports when you're a young girl and you're like wanting to play sports and you're interested like you're kind of pushed away and also like I remember I love sports I played sports my whole life like I, I was a tomboy because I played sports what how's that a thing like I always like yep I always wear my soccer shorts oh like I always wear like my soccer stuff and I think like something I've really like gotten passionate about this year is title nine title nine proves that women are interested in sports and it's just the there was a lack of opportunity and it still happens today like when the opportunity is there women are involved they participate they're like pushing for more but like if no opportunity exists, obviously it looks like women aren't interested because there's no opportunity. At Carolina, um, like, and nationally, like, they're some of the most successful um, teams and, like, aren't, like, it's very interesting how it's not portrayed that way. Like, our sole focus is on male sports and, like, our women's teams are phenomenal and we've had some of, like, the greatest athletes come through here, like, obviously, like, Mia Hamm, like, come on, there isn't like opportunity in jobs a lot of times. It may seem like women aren't interested, but they actually are. The opportunities aren't as easy to get to if you're a woman. Yeah, it's like, you know, you hear that joke in college. It's like, when you reach a frat house, you have to name five brothers to get in. To enter into the sports community, you need to name like 20 different backup quarterbacks during this specific era underneath this set of coaches in this region of the country. And it's like, why and i've actually seen that happen either during a football game while i'm in the stands and i'm watching this guy just like grill this girl about like the nfl and then a few rows down this other guy grilling a girl about the nba and it's like why is there like a quiz that women have to answer to be like verified for lack of better terms that they know sports and that they love sports like why can't it just be accepted 
just like how you would accept your male friends about their love for sports and assume that they have like this certain amount of knowledge to be able to still love it. Or if they don't, don't know anything, they just love the game, then that's perfectly okay. Yeah. And a woman can love the game and know nothing about the history of the franchise. And it's just like, it was very frustrating to watch it happen and kind of comical at the same time watching these women kind of own the guys that were yeah. speaking down to them. But I think that point too is so interesting about like women having to know more just to like have the same position in sports because I feel like that's not like just sports. Like I feel like a lot of times in society and like in different things, like women have to prove themselves more than men. I think the whole like um, brothers thing that you said was just pretty (laughs) so comical. Like that exactly like women need a quiz to like enter the boys club basically. Like you have to be more knowledgeable or like just as knowledgeable as our most knowledgeable person to be able to be accepted here. Um, and that still doesn't guarantee you'll be treated correctly. <laughs> um, but that, exactly. that's just such a toxic, toxic thing. And I think it is so common in sports, but I think one thing that I definitely want to add to that comment is that if pe- when people read my stories, they see a lot more of like the human aspect of sports and because of that I've had several men in my past that have sat there and assumed that meant that I don't know much about the sport and that's not it whatsoever just because that I don't sit there and include this stat and this stat and this stat in the story does not mean that I don't understand the ins and outs of the game that is happening in front of me it's just because I'm choosing to focus on who this human is behind all the stats and behind the game and I've I have heard that that's kind of like a common trend at least within women's sports journalists that they're very attuned to the human interest side of the game there's more what's happening out on the court than just the x's and the o's and the numbers that these athletes are able to put up and I think that's a very underrated part of sports journalism that's not really talked about as often. It seems like all the sideline reporters are all women also, and then all the commentators, like a majority of them are male. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading an article like a few days ago, and one of like the major news outlets was asked that question, like, why are all of your sideline reporters female? And he was just like, I don't know. We just stick with the regulars and go with that. And I've heard that reason of I don't know many times in my specific career, but then also in other women's careers. Like whenever I sit there and ask, why wasn't I put on budget for like another basketball game or a football game? So then at least I have some number of stories that are comparable to the other male senior reporters. It's just, I get the answer of like, I don't know, or we forgot to add it onto budget. And it can just be like really frustrating, but at the same time, I don't want, if there are any women that are listening to this that want to get into sports or get into sports journalism, I don't want our stories or like any of the negative aspects that we're talking about to sit there and dissuade you from joining because this industry, both of our industries need women, need these people are going to step up and be role models. And there are a lot of highlights to it. There are a lot of positive aspects. I mean, one of the biggest pivotal moments in my life was sitting there and finding my voice and being able to dictate my own story. And I don't want someone to hear 
my experience and think, oh, mine's going to be the exact same way, when it's definitely not. All the women that have come out of the DTH, not all of our experiences sit there and line up. Some of us had a problem with a guy while others didn't. I guess in a way you can't assume this is going to be kind of like a blanket statement. And I just want to thank you um, for being brave enough to write your story and then brave enough to come and share it even more um, on, on this podcast. And I really hope that this episode today like had, helps shed light on the toxicity in the sports world and that it's just something that needs to change and hopefully like our generation can lead that change. I really think that it can, um, but it takes a level of consciousness and it takes actual effort. It can't be this um, nonchalant type of thing. Like we need to, as um, a generation, we really need to come together and make society better, make sports better. Um, so the quote I wanted to end on um, is from your article. It says, I'm still trying to figure it out. The sports journalism industry and society as a whole are broken systems. Individuals think that this type of behavior is okay, but we all know it's not. At what point do we stop saying it's not okay and start doing something about it? So I just thought that was super powerful. Again, like leaving this podcast on a glimmer of hope and thinking about the future and like that there's a lot that can be done. And I really think it's amazing that women like you are stepping forward and um, kind of pushing this issue to the front so that something can change. So I appreciate you giving up your time. Um, to talk today and we're really glad to have you so thank you so much yeah thanks for letting me tell my story and being a huge support of ju not just me but other women in sports as a whole i think this podcast is taking like a huge step forward and being able to help change the society and this is kind of like what i was alluding to with that final quote that the only way we're going to change it is calling attention to it but then also supporting each other through it that eventually that loving one another and caring for one another and encouraging one another that eventually this will change it's just going a lot slower than what i had hoped and yeah. so to anyone who is listening i just want to remind you that you are loved you are powerful and strong and courageous in your own way and your story is important to tell but you are also a very important member of society in whatever industry you're a part of. So never, never forget that. Thank you all for tuning into the second episode of Benched. This is your host, Jules Makia, and a special thanks to our guest, Madeline Coleman, for coming on today and sharing her story.